Hello. Hi, Jasmine. Hey, it's working. Yes, it's working. Oh, man. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the issue was, but you know what? It's fine. We're here. It's okay. It's working now. Oh, my gosh. Well, welcome to Motherhood in Progress podcast. You know, you uh, inspired it. You and Bree. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad I inspired these things. I love our mom chat. No, our mom chat literally got me through everything. In case y'all don't know, Don is my profite. So is Bree. And we all had babies like all around the same time and we didn't know what we were doing. So we talked every <laughs> single day about what we were doing since we didn't know what we were doing. Pretty much bouncing things off. Yes. I think from the oldest to the youngest is like six months. So it's like Katie was born and then four months later, Eli. And then two months after that was Amina. Yes, exactly. So then like if Amina had some issues, somehow like Katie or Eli had already been through it and y'all tell mm-hmm. me what to do. And we would Google stuff and be like, did you get this? Is this right? Like, is Google right? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yes. Yes and no. Yes, this works for everyone except for my child. It's basically exactly. And that's usually how that works every time. Oh, my gosh. Well, thanks for being on here. I guess I can kind of, like, introduce everyone. Um, I'm done counting the podcast because this is supposed to be, like, number four. But I've, like, recorded out of, like, out of order. So, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Motherhood in Progress. I'm joined by my profite and beloved friend, Don Tall. I'm so excited to be here because, again, she's in the mom chat that kept me going and that inspired this podcast in general because we were like, we just need moms to talk every day to figure this stuff out every day because also who else wants to hear us talk about our children every day besides another mom mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same situation? Exactly. But Don is a 35-year-old woman. She graduated from the Institute of Georgia Technology. Oh, shoot. I can't even say it right. <laughs> the Georgia <laughs> Institute of Technology in 2010 with her electrical engineering degree. And she studies the flow of electricity on power lines in Georgia. So I guess she's getting y'all power up there. Hopefully it works. It, it does most of the time. It does most of the time. It's pretty, it's pretty good, I will say. You know, we have little outages for storms and stuff. But, you know, for the most part. Yeah, keeping, for the most we're part, the, we're keeping the lights on. That's good. That's 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 what Don is. In summary, Don keeps the lights on. Yes. <laughs> so, I just want to start off with like, how are you feeling today? How are you doing? You no, know, today's today's good. Honestly, um, it's it's a lazy Sunday. Um, I'm currently looking at piles of clothes on the floor because it's also laundry day. Um, yes. We just finally finished putting up the Christmas tree and and decorating it and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, got a good, happy, healthy little one. So, I mean, yes. So your daughter is Katie. How old is Katie now? Katie, she is four. She will be five on Thursday. Oh, my gosh. Do y'all have any big plans for her birthday? Like what's about to go down? So she's having a birthday party at, you know, the, the, the hot spot for toddlers, you know, um, <laughs> it's called, it's called catch air, which is basically like this indoor playground. And you pretty much just like turn your kids loose and, you know, you don't see them until it's time to go. Cause they just go <laughs> all up in the little inner tubes and the sky tubes and the, the trampolines and the ball pits and they're climbing yeah. and, jumping and, you know, they're having a great time. And so naturally the place does birthday parties because i mean what why wouldn't you do a birthday yeah, party yeah why would so that's hilarious so- i was just at my little cousin's birthday party yesterday at a place just like that mm-hmm. it's called like rush fun park and she's turning seven i did not see amina or her for literally like two hours amina mm-hmm. came back twice with apparent injuries i guess and then yep. she went right back after like five mm-hmm. minutes that's the only time you see them. If someone does something to them or something happened to them, and then they're like, and like, okay, are you? Do you want to go home? No. All right. Bye. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Well, that was a little bit of tangent. Sorry if I sound like I've been running around because I just was able to get Amina to go with my mom to drop mm-hmm. off my cousins at the airport. So now I'm not like trying to figure out how to entertain her while also do this. So okay, I feel more relaxed now. Bye. Good. So. I have, like, a few different sections. I feel like you and me would need, like, two parts. I feel like we got a lot to talk about. Our children are, like, older, comparatively, to the people I've been talking to. But um, the initial section is kind of, like, choosing motherhood. I want to know, when did you decide that you wanted kids? Um, well, I'm not too sure. Maybe, like, 
a few years after I got married, I know when I first got married, I wasn't ready to have them like at yeah. all, even to the point where, you know, if like my cycle was being weird and I missed it, there would be like all this apprehension, like testing, like, oh, please don't be, <laughs> don't be pregnant. And so I was like, I was not ready to be anybody's mom early on. I did mm-hmm. get married kind of young. I was like 20, 23 when I got okay. married. Um and so I was not ready to be anybody's mother at 23. Um, or, but around 26, though, I was like, okay, all right. I think I could be somebody's mother. So <laughs> I would say, yeah, like when I was about 26, I was like, all right, I'm ready to do this. Like, let's, let's, let's try to have these kids, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, the, of course, it did not work out, you know, like it, it was not easy. You know, some people are, and I'm actually one of those people for the second one. Some people accidentally get pregnant. That was not me. We yeah. were trying. We were doing all the stuff and like just could not get pregnant. And so let me know if I'm kind of getting out of order here. But, um, and then I just ended up getting like a diagnosis of infertility. So that was. What, kind of, what does that mean? Oh. Like I have a diagnosis of infertility. What does that mean? Let's so you that. So you can be infertile for a lot of reasons. So you can have, you know, I mean, because there's so many like parts to getting pregnant. Like you can have issues with your ovaries. You can have issues with your tubes. You can also have issues with your uterus. Like your uterus mm-hmm. just might not be able to like, you know, maintain a pregnancy. So my issue was actually in my tubes and I had tubal infertility. So that meant like my tubes were, you know, blocked. And so basically that meant, you know, sperm would never meet the egg because okay. they couldn't get through. And so that was my diagnosis, which means my only way of having a kid was to basically bypass my tubes and do IVF. So like egg retrieval and then, you know, implant. Mm -hmm. So that was that was the path forward there. Um, Is that what you ended up doing? I did. I I did one round of IVF and I ended up getting pregnant with twins. Oh, yeah wins yes and then I I had a I think when I did IVF it was it was 2016 and I feel like most things as with most things with having babies like it's not it's not as a science it's almost like you know hope prayers wing it's like winging a prayer kind of thing and so Mm -hmm. they you know they give you all these drugs to kind of stimulate your ovaries and one thing that can happen with IVF is you can get overstimulated and then your ovaries can you know kind of basically like go haywire and so that's actually what Mm. happened I ended up with um my ovaries got overstimulated and I ended up in the hospital and and so I had to stay there for a couple of days while I was getting over that and they sent me home and you know I was pregnant with twins and then um at my eight week checkup they were they were doing all right and then I had my Mm -hmm. 12 week checkup and I and I had lost one of them one of them had just died in utero and I didn't know until I had that ultrasound Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was tough but I was like okay well you know there's there's still one more and unfortunately it was one of those things where because of like the position like the baby had to stay in in like the baby had to stay like the baby could not be taken out without harming the one that was still viable Oh so, my gosh. So yeah, which is which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but you know, we kept going with the pregnancy, and then um I get to maybe like my 23rd week, and I find out that there is a problem with the other baby, and mm-hmm. the baby did not develop properly, like the baby was missing a lot of organs, like those missing lungs, missing kidneys, uh-huh. intestines, all of that. And oh my so goodness. The doctor was like, your pregnancy isn't, I didn't really understand what that meant. You know, apparently when your baby's missing all that stuff, it's just automatic that the pregnancy is not viable. But I was like, well, no, I mean, well, well what are we going to do? I was like, no, we're going to get like a transplant, you know, does uh-huh. my baby need to go on the list? You know, can we get the baby medicine to like help, you know, these things develop? And they're just like, no, 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 as in like, you just have to have an abortion right now. Pretty much. But they said, well, you know what? You could have the baby, but let me tell you what your life is going to be like with this baby. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for, 
now that you know we can do things to help the lungs um but your baby doesn't have kidneys you're you cannot get a kidney transplant until you're about five so you would have to basically you know get your child from zero to five with no kidneys and it's and they're like well it's not it's not so i guess it's basically like i guess some form of like dialysis basically you have to take Hmm. your child in to do the treatments that basically perform the function of kidneys and you have to do it a lot and that's if they survive and it has like it has a survival rate it's it's not very it's not very high there's also a chance that you know you might not even get a chance to go through all of that because of the issue with the lungs you know your baby may not you know make it out of the NICU because you know the lungs have to develop yeah so basically it was a whole bunch of like Debbie Downer negativity and and then they were also like, and also because you're only 23 weeks, babies aren't considered viable until 25 or 26. So because your baby isn't, um, you know, developing properly, you're running out of fluid. So if you were to go into labor before your 25th week, and you probably will, we would not do any life-saving measures for your baby. So your baby oh, would right. have to survive on its own and then go to NICU. Or if your baby just passed away, like we wouldn't, you know, like we wouldn't try to save your child. Because yeah. we consider this a non-viable pregnancy, which that was really hard to hear, you know, especially considering the environment around uh, abortions yes. and, you know, women's right to choose and pro-life and all of that. And they're over here telling me that, like, my baby doesn't matter. You know, that's that's yeah. what I heard. That wasn't what they said, but that's what I heard. Yes. Um, and so I made the very tough decision to uh, terminate my pregnancy and I felt so horrible about it because I really wanted, you know, the baby to have a chance. But, like, I was the only one who mm-hmm. wanted the baby to have a chance. And that included, like, my, you know, like some of my family members and mm-hmm. the doctors because no, everyone was like, you shouldn't do this. Like, the baby is killing you. Like, your heart rate is up. Like, you're not going to make it. And, yeah. and if you don't make it, then the baby's definitely not going to make it because, you know, y'all are kind of in the package deal here. Yeah. So, I made the decision to go ahead and, and have the termination and, you know, that's what I did. And I cried, I, you know, I, and I ended up, and the crazy thing was like, this was all right around my birthday too. Mm-hmm. So it was at the end of April and I How was you turning miserable. This time? this time I was turning, I was 29. 29. Okay. Yeah. I was so, I was so upset about it, but you know, went through it and, you know, everyone was like, well, you can just have another baby, which has got to be like the most heartless thing ever because it's like, you know, you don't want another baby. You want that baby, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like, you don't know what it took for me to get this one baby right right here and I want it. It was years of struggling to have, to have the baby. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I went through with, with the termination and, um, I actually had more eggs from IVF, so I went through another transfer, and this one was not successful. Did not get pregnant at all, which was kind of like another blow. It was like, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I I kind of just decided at that point, I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to be a dog mom. Like, it's just not mm-hmm. meant for me to have a baby. So fast forward to like March the following year. Now, me and my husband at the time, because, you know, we've since divorced, we were just, you know, I was off birth control, no yeah. condoms, you know, we were just living life. <laughs> yeah. I can't get pregnant. I'm infertile. Girl, I got pregnant in March. And wow. how did you feel about that? Because it sounds like you had accepted the fact that you were infertile or just kind of like, you I know, continuing I, on. I didn't believe it. I did not believe it at all. And it was pretty much to the point where I, because I also have a group chat with my, um, with some of my best friends from college. And I remember telling them that I just, I was like, I don't feel well. Like, I just feel really off. And I was like, and my period's late, which is really like a slap in the face because when most people's periods are late, it's because they're pregnant. But it's like, I, yeah. know, I'm, I know I'm not pregnant because I'm infertile. And I just feel like na- mother nature is like being ridiculous to yeah, me. Yeah, like and, and I just want to have my period. Like, I've literally done nothing to her. And, my, <laughs> and I have a friend, Crystal. And she was like, you should take a pregnancy test. And I was like, why? Why would I waste the money on the pregnancy test? It's going to be negative. And she said, well, sometimes you just need to see the negative, you know, and that'll like release the stress and you'll yeah. just go ahead and have a period. And I was like, I'm not taking a test. But if my period doesn't come by this date, I'll go ahead and I'll oblige you and take a test. <laughs> and she was like, okay, fine. 
And so, you know, we're kind of talking and she's like, remember, you're supposed to take that test. So I go and get the pregnancy test. I pee on it and that joint comes back positive. And I don't even really know what to do. I'm just looking at it the next morning and I like put it away and I go back to bed. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to deal with this right now. There's no (laughs) way I can be pregnant right now. This is a joke. Uh -uh, (laughs) Not you laughing at the pregnancy test stick. Yeah, no, I, I literally put the cap on that thing and like <laughs> went back to bed. I was like, I'm not dealing with this right now. And so I woke up again and I was like, am I pregnant? And so I sent her a message. And so I was like, the test says I'm pregnant. And she's like, congratulations. I said, no, I said, I, my diagnosis is tubal infertility. Now yeah. I don't have, now they weren't a hundred percent blocked. It was a, it was, they're mostly blocked, like 75 to 80%. So Blocked pregnancy. by what? Do you know? It's um, just... It could be a lot of things. Like some people's tubes are closed. Some people have like, like I guess, damaged tissue or whatever. And it just okay. like grows over it. Or, you know, you just, you have, there's just, you just have some, some sort of like tissue or, you know, I don't even know what the inside of your body is, but it just either yeah. closed or blocked with something in your body. Okay. I was like, and my, I was like, my, she was like, well, is it a hundred percent blockage? I said, no, but it's mostly blocked. Like it's really unlikely. I said, yeah. what's more likely is that I might have an ectopic pregnancy and it might be stuck in the tubes because, mm. you know, like maybe it didn't get out. Like maybe it's not in the right place. So then of course I freaked out about that. Yes, because that's I, like that can be harmful to you, right? You can someone yeah, can die from ectopic pregnancy. You can die. You can also lose your fallopian tubes because you know once yeah. it'll the embryo will start growing and it's not the embryo gets bigger, but your tube doesn't get bigger. Yes. Um. So I called the doctor and I was like, I need to get checked out. I think I'm pregnant, but um, I, I it's not possible for me to be pregnant. And they're just like, How many weeks along are you? And, you know, I told them, you know, that I was like two weeks out from my miscarriage. And they're like, there's nothing that we can do for you because, you know, you have to wait. We, we're not going to confirm any pregnancies until like eight weeks or so. And I was like, but you oh don't goodness. understand. And so, you know, they were just like, no, we can't see you. It's too early. What are we going to do for you? So I hung up the phone and I called somebody else. I called another, I called another doctor. And mm-hmm. so this time I played a little bit dumb. And I said, if something's going on, I'm not really sure what it is. I was like, can I come and, you know, and get checked out? And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, they scheduled me for an appointment. So as soon as I get there, I tell the lady what's going on. And, you know, she's still like, well, I can't really give you an ultrasound because it's not like there's nothing big enough. Like we wouldn't really be able to see anything and you're not displaying any symptoms of an ectopic pregnancy. So all I can do is you know have you pee on a stick and you know confirm that you're pregnant and that's what we did and mm-hmm. sure enough, I mean I, I still was and she's like well we can schedule you the first you know we can schedule you when we think we'll see something and so they made an appointment and I came back for it and luckily you know of course since you know since Katie is here that the baby was in the run the egg the embryo was in the right yes. spot yes it was not ectopic I'm over here still trying to figure out what happened and my only guess is that my tubes either when they told me that they were blocked and they, they do this test to tell you that it was maybe it was just a bad test, I guess. Maybe they were open the this whole time. And and even though we were, you know, out here having, you know, baby making sex and stuff, <laughs> it, it, the timing just wasn't right. Like I just wasn't supposed to be pregnant or, or something. It's kind of hard to believe that you're having all of this sex and you just do not fall pregnant. Yeah, you know? exactly. And going through IVF, because doesn't that, how much does one IVF round cost? Because you did um, at least two, right? I did. So the one I did was, it was basically like a buy one, get one free. So you do one, you get okay, like one fresh. IVF. <laughs> <laughs> so you do, you do one fresh transfer and then they'll, they'll freeze your egg. They'll freeze whatever remaining eggs you have for up to a year. And then you can come back and do one frozen cycle. So one fresh, one frozen. And so that's how I was able to get like a two for one. And it was about $13,000. Okay. Yeah. It's still, about still significant. Yeah. Very expensive. Um, and, and so imagine spending all that money for that. And then just on some oopsie, you know, you get, you get, <laughs> get pregnant in March naturally, you know, the good old fashioned way. Um, I'd be like, I want my 13 K back. <laughs> I wish. Right. I wish. I wish. Um, but that's pretty much, I mean, that's from like deciding, you know, I want motherhood to how, how it's, you know, how the journey got started. Wow. 
that was like a big nutshell. I feel like I have a lot of questions. Like, <laughs> oh, ask away. <laughs> I ask was wondering, away. I guess maybe during the time that y'all were trying to get pregnant, because you said around 26, you were interested in getting pregnant and y'all were trying. You got to 29. That's when you had like the IVF and stuff. How was like maybe your husband responding to the difficulties of it? And like, how did that affect y'all's relationship in any way? So that I, I don't really know, honestly. So I know I was feeling like a failure. I know mm-hmm. me personally. He wasn't really, I don't know if he was feeling any kind of way about it, but I was feeling like a failure. And also at that point, you know, I was not even like enjoying the trying. Like it just felt like mm-hmm. a chore. Like it, it just felt like, you know, it, it just made it completely unenjoyable because here we are having this time and it's supposed to be an intimate time anyway, but it really just feels like work. And we're over here like, okay, it's, you know, it's seven o'clock on the dot, you know, apparently I'm ovulating, like, let's go. And yeah. it's just, it just became very mechanical, not enjoyable, you know, like it just, it was just, it just became like blah, I guess. And I know he probably felt some of that too. And you know, I don't necessarily think our relationship necessarily suffered. Our sex life took a hit. Yeah. But, um, I think it was almost like par for the course. Because I think even he was starting to feel like sex was work and not, you know, enjoyable. And it was just like, I just can't wait until we get a baby. And then we can kind of take all this pressure, you know, off yeah. of But that's that was my interpretation of it all but yeah it was also still very taboo because I I really didn't want to talk about it because I really felt like I really felt like a failure I was like I can't even get pregnant like what is going on like my the thing that makes me a woman is like being able to have a baby and like here I am struggling to do that Yeah. yeah so how did you get to the space of like just accepting that you were infertile? Because like you said, y'all had that year where it's just like, you know what, I'm gonna do what I want. Sex is gonna be fun again and spontaneous and whatever. Like I might be a dog mom. Like, how did you transition from I feel like a failure to like, you know, this is okay? Well, it's almost like um, coping by way of avoidance, honestly, because mm-hmm. after my frozen cycle failed, I was like, I don't want to ever feel like this again. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up anymore. I don't want to, you know, have to go through all of these medications and sticking myself every single day and mm-hmm. all of these like shots and stuff. Like, I'm over it. Like, if this is what I have to do to become a mom, like, I just, I don't want it, you know? Like, yeah. I don't, don't want to have to do all of this to become that and so it was kind of like I'm just running from you know feeling feeling this way so I was just like I'll just be a dog mom I'll be happy and content and so I just won't think about it and that's kind of how I got to that point which is literally just shoving my head in the sand and just being like I don't want it I don't need it it's okay it's fine yeah yeah that avoidance avoidance can be crazy but it's like definitely easy way easy thing to jump into so I guess now maybe fast forward into the point where you're pregnant you go to the doctor, they confirm you're pregnant. And I guess I wonder how, like, how do you feel about this pregnancy? Do you have anxiety or what are your thoughts and emotions around it now? Because you had had all, a lot of time where basically you couldn't get pregnant and like, a, I said, I guess a terminated pregnancy. Like, how did you feel going into this one with Katie? So I was, I, there was a lot of things going on because there was, of course, the the miracle of the pregnancy or it's completely unexpected. Um, and then there was also, that's when my relationship with um, her father started, really started breaking down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll touch on how I felt with the pregnancy and then get into the relationship in a minute. But with the pregnancy, I was a complete basket case. Um, I was so convinced that I would lose it again because, you know, having an, having an unexplained miscarriage messes with you so badly. Like, I don't know why I lost that baby at, you know, like at, at my 12 week checkup, I have no idea, you Mm -hmm. know, for, for things to be fine at the eight and the 10 week checkup. And then for things to be so very wrong, just two weeks later, like I, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, I'm logical. I could not wrap my head around it. And so I was so worried. And my friend sent me um a heart monitor like one that I could check myself like an at-home monitor I used to check like almost like once a week because I was so nervous I was like is she doing okay in there because like at no point do I ever want to see something like what I saw not like a baby not moving on ultrasound like I never want to see that again 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was a basket case. I was completely nervous. Um, at that point, I had confided in Brie that I was pregnant. I didn't tell very many people I was pregnant because I didn't want to have to tell them I wasn't pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. if I lost yes. the baby. Yeah. So really, at this point, only like two people know um, that I'm pregnant. And so, you know, I'm talking with Brie every single day and, you know, Crystal's checking in on me and I'm still over here, you know, having a little breakdown um, and just having a lot of anxiety. Like I didn't even have time to fear being a mom or even fear labor because I'm just over here mm-hmm. like, am I even going to get to that finish line? Like, Am, am I yeah. even going to get to the labor part? Like I can't even really think about that just yet. Wow. And so I didn't really relax until... I found out whether I was having a, a boy or a girl and, and I started um, and I could actually see myself getting bigger and I could, you know, see my belly and all of that. Yeah. Like, I didn't, like I was a complete basket case until I got to that point. Um, mm-hmm. And then right when I get to that point, that's when things with her father take a humongous turn because he was having an affair while I was pregnant. He was having one more before. Oh my gosh. My goodness. Yeah. His affair actually started before I was pregnant. Um, And the thing is, is like, I'm thinking about it in hindsight and it's like, I kind of, I felt like I kind of knew, but I didn't really know or I didn't want to know. Um, Mm -hmm. But things kind of had stopped adding up and I started seeing some behaviors that I had seen before when he was out having affairs and stuff. And I was like, is he having another one while I'm pregnant? Like, I'm like, I know this can't be right. Yeah, this can't be right. Um, But he he was. And and then so I think when I was um, how far along, maybe like four months or so pregnant um he like moved out of our room and like moved into the guest bedroom and you know so I'm kind of going through the feelings of that and and he actually moved into the guest bedroom before I found out about the affair so I was super confused I was like why are you moving out and he was like I don't know if I want to be in this relationship and I was like you don't know when I'm pregnant you know, and he, and you know, of course, the pregnancy was an accident. Like we didn't think that it was something that could have happened. And so now that I am, you know, he was still no. That doesn't change when you have doubts. Some people like to think that it does, but it, it doesn't. If you're kind of one foot in, one foot out, a baby is not going to bring those feet yeah. on the inside. You know, or even At necessarily all. on the outside. So. You know, that didn't really change anything, um, but he had pretty much just moved out because, you know, he, he had been having the affair. And I guess, the, he, you know, the, the pressure was on because I think he told her that, you know, the relationship was over, but he was just kind of hanging around because there was a baby now. Oh, my gosh. And so I ended up finding about out about the affair and we pretty much had it out about that. And so, you know, and once I found out about the affair, he pretty much stopped hiding it. So there would be nights where it would just be me in the house and he would be like out, you know, doing mm-hmm. his thing. And there would be day, like there would be nights, days, weekends, all of that. And I remember talking to Bree, you know, when I was getting close to giving birth, she was like, well, what if you go into labor and he's not here? Yeah. He's like, well, and you know, I think I know I asked her that. And she was like, well, if that's the case, you know, you just call me and like me and Will, we will come and get you or we will meet you at the hospital we'll do whatever we need to like you don't have to worry about you know like you know getting yourself to the hospital you know if if something happens and and he's gone you know yeah so that that in and of itself was a lot so it and it really hampered it really put a big damper on my whole pregnancy experience you know like yeah. I wanted to do like the cute gender reveals and the cute baby showers and take yeah. cute pictures and I didn't do any of that like I feel like my gender reveal was very cute but it wasn't it didn't involve me like I'm like I made a sign and I used Janice and I got pink balloons and so there was nobody in the picture but but the dog but I wanted it to be like Aww. both of us but you know that wasn't gonna happen and then you know we had a we had a halfway decent baby shower um but you know I did my maternity pictures all by myself mm-hmm. I did you know so much paid for everything by myself wow and it just it just wasn't it wasn't like my ideal pregnancy 
you know, because I had been yeah. to pregnant for so long. So I wanted to be super extra and I did not get to yeah. be super like, extra. This was such a miracle for you, especially yeah. with like all you went through. And now you're having like, yeah, really big like umbrella over your <laughs> parade, yeah, basically. Like, like why? Yes, pretty much. But, you know, at the end of the day, like for me, one thing that I'm really good at is I'm kind of good at pushing out like bad stuff and focusing on on the good things, you know, with the whole power of avoidance. So I kind of just put that affair and all that stuff to the side and was like, let me just worry about, you know, having a good pregnancy and focusing on the good things. And I guess the good things were, you know, I wasn't overly tired. I was still very mobile. I literally worked up to my last week of of you know being pregnant like I wasn't like Mm -hmm. I didn't have morning sickness I didn't have to scale back my hours at work because I was you know throwing up all the time or or feeling sick or anything Mm -hmm. like I was in I was walking yeah like tip-top physical shape I was in I was in good shape for a pregnant woman considering you know all of the things that you know, pregnant women, other pregnant women have gone through as far as um, just, you know, not feeling themselves or, you know, feeling sick or being too big or, you know, uncomfortable or hot or going to the bathroom all the time. Like I didn't, I didn't have anything that was, um, that held me back really, which was, Mm -hmm. which was a good thing. Um, And I'm grateful for. So I was like, well, at least this is a, a happy pregnancy. Like I enjoy being pregnant. Like I would be pregnant again, you know? I don't yeah. think a lot of people could say that, but I was like, I would be pregnant again in a heartbeat. So <laughs> I did not have a bad, I did not have a bad, uncomfortable time. So, and so how did you bond with Katie then during the time, like being like, how did you bond with her while she was in utero? Oh, I talked to her all the time. I had, I had these little like belly earphones and I would like play music and I would talk to her. And then when she got a little bit bigger, I would like, poke the side of my belly and I would feel her like poke back in that spot so yeah we would definitely um I would definitely do that um and I just talked to her all the time so what was like your relationship with your changing body then throughout pregnancy pretty much Pretty much. And so as far as as far as my body goes, I took what I chose to do to kind of embrace my body was I took um like silhouette pictures every so often to kind of track my growing belly. I <laughs> absolutely loved those pictures. I was like as big as my belly was, I was like, I felt so pretty. <laughs> yeah. And that you're doing the silhouette challenge before the silhouette challenge. Exactly. <laughs> like, yes. I was doing I was doing that. I had the I had the camera set up. I bought like a special curtain, took them at the same time of day, same position, same everything. And I was like, and I still I have those pictures. I love that consistency. That was something I definitely was not consistent about doing. (laughs) But I like how you were still able to, like, still find, like, the joy in it and find, like, the good parts. Because, I mean, another part of pregnancy is, like, the mental portion. Like you said, because you're talking about it, like, oh, I had this really hard time. But that was mentally and, like, your relationship. But it wasn't physically. So it's, like, this kind of two-prong experience. So... I don't know. I guess maybe my question is, did he ever start to try and support you during the pregnancy or was that just like totally separate? Like the relationship became totally separate at that time. It became completely separate. And that and that I don't know if that was necessarily his decision or just my general disposition, because I mean, after I found out everything, like I was just disgusted, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like, ick, you know, so he may have wanted to be there or he might not have I don't know but I know I didn't really like I didn't turn to him for anything like yeah you know even if I was if I was feeling nervous about it didn't talk to him didn't talk to him about it at all you know because this is why I didn't I didn't see I guess and that that kind of just goes back to the to the like I guess my kind of personality like you're literally currently having an affair with somebody you haven't stopped you know, you're still participating in it. So yeah. why would I, so I'm not going to come find you. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. You're like not I, my support person at all. Yeah, you are not my support person. Like Bree was my support person. Okay. Yeah. That's, who, that's who got me through everything. <laughs> Bree. Oh, wow. Shout out Bree for being such a great friend. Oh my gosh. Yes. We talked every single day. And, and of course, you know, she was pregnant too. Um, 
so yeah we talked every single day like she was 100% my support person everything that I was going through everything that I was feeling you know talked to her about it and you know we talked to each other about it because she was having you know the things that she was feeling you know she had me to talk to and of course she had her husband but you know Brie 100% was was who I turned to for all of this because I was not turning you know to him or, or any of it like I just didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable like it just felt it felt weird to do that yeah yeah I didn't feel like authentic like no, we can't really, really you can't genuinely 100% be here for me even if I tried to in this moment <laughs> exactly and I, I couldn't even I couldn't even allow you to do that especially you know when I know what you're currently what you're doing or when you're not here like that's what you're doing you know so yeah. it's just like that sucks because like what a miracle after all the things you just said about being infertile I feel like he really missed out on like enjoying a big portion of like life with you. But we can move on to like the next section. Maybe I want to hear more about your birth story. So you've been pregnant. It was great. You're talking to Brie every day. Share with us a bit more about like just the minute by minute story of like Katie's birth. So for Katie's birth, I woke up on, it was December 14th. It was like seven o'clock in the morning. I woke up and I was feeling, and this is me being like a day past my due date. And so one thing that you can do here at least is if you go past your due date, they'll give you another ultrasound just to make sure things are okay. And mm-hmm. so I definitely 100% signed up for that. I was like, yeah. I, like, I, I want to know like people, cause you know, having a miscarriage, I was like, I want to make sure you know, that she's okay. If she doesn't come early and she can go past the date, I just want to know she's okay. So I had an ultrasound appointment on the 14th, which was one day after my due date. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. um, and so I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning and I had like these little period pains and I was like, what the heck is going on? I didn't really think anything of it. It was just like, you know, like a mild, you know, like yeah. a little mild crampy feeling. And so I'm kind of just, you know, so I, I told him because I was like, maybe this is like the beginning of labor. And so, and the funny thing is, is when I told him, he like ran in, he was like, oh my God, are we having the baby now? And this was like the most excited I've ever seen him. And I was like, I don't really think so. I was like, I think everything's still intact, but like, I'm just having these feelings. I'm going to still go to my, um, ultrasound appointment. You should probably come with me just in case. Yeah. Um, and so he, you know, called out of work or whatever. And, um, we went to the appointment and I guess leading up to the appointment, I kept feeling like I was losing, uh, fluid, like, Mm -hmm. like leaking. Yeah. Like I felt like I was leaking. And then, you know, I would call the nurse and she'd be like, well, you know, she's like, there's a difference between amniotic fluid and pee. You might just be peeing on yourself. And I was like, I don't think I'm, I don't don't think I'm peeing on myself, but you know, um, there's that. So I have the ultrasound and sure enough, like, Katie was in there with like negative fluid, you know, there was not oh, enough wow. in there. And so they were just like, okay, well, you know, it doesn't appear that you're trying to go into labor. I know you're having these little period pains, but they're very sporadic. You know, they're not, you know, it's not like every, you know, two minutes, more like once every two hours or something. Yeah. Um, and so, but we're going to send you to the hospital and we're going to induce you because you don't need to be pregnant any longer. You know, like we're going to go ahead and take the baby because, you know, she doesn't have enough fluid. Okay. Um, so I think I actually was leaking amniotic fluid. Um, so we go to the hospital, we get there at about two o'clock in the afternoon um, and I wasn't dilated. And so they were taking me through the process of everything. They're like, okay, well, since we're inducing you, you know, we have to start off with something called Cervidil. Cervidil will dilate you and then we'll start you on Pitocin. That'll mm-hmm. you know, start the contractions. And so basically this, you're looking at about a 24 hour process before you mm-hmm. think about start, you know, to start pushing, like to just get you to the point of having a baby. And she said, but if you're dilated, then, you know, we'll go right to the Pitocin. And so I was like, well, I just left my OBs and I wasn't dilated. She said, well, just let me check and we'll go from there. So she checks and I was like, I I hate the dilation checks. Yeah. I, I hate those with passion. It, it, it makes getting a pap smear feel like a day at the beach. 
it's like the, it's so analogy. much more invasive than a pap smear could ever be um and so she checked me and oddly enough in that in the in the hour it took me to get from our ovs to the hospital i had dilated up to like three centimeters so she's like oh great we can skip the cervidil we can go right to pitocin Oof. so they um did you have pitocin did they I... give you pitocin did they induce you Mm, oh, yeah, no. did they induce you? Oh, you. Oh, so you. Me. I thought you were talking about them talking to you. Oh no, no, I was asking you. Did you have? Did you get induced, or did you have everything naturally? No, I had everything natural. So I had it at the birth center, so I didn't have the option, honestly. Oh, okay. <laughs> so even at one point when I was like, okay, I need some drugs, it's like, um, well, we don't have that here, but you can have this little nitrous oxide mask. I'm like, what? Oh, I got God. so mad at myself in that moment, but yeah, no, I didn't oh, have no. any pitocin, but I've heard horror stories. Oh, so yeah. I guess I'm ready to hear what your pitocin experience was like. So, you know, they warned me about it. And so I was like, well, I mean, I don't really have a choice. I was like, we got to get these, you know, we got to get these contractions going. Because at that point, I was still having those, like, you know, mild to regular period cramps and not not on any kind of schedule. You know, like Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't even I couldn't even regularly say once an hour. It would just be like, oh, we got one in 20 minutes, one in 45, one in an hour and a half. Like it was all over the place. Mm -hmm. So they're like, we're going to give you the Pitocin to make your, you know, to actually kickstart your contractions. And so they they set me up with Pitocin around, I think it was like two thirty or three o'clock. And so, you know, the medicine's going. Uh, it's not doing anything. Um, and so they have to continue to, they'll continue to kind of like, I guess, crank it up a little bit um, to the point where, I mean, I'm fine. I'm watching TV, talking with my family because I had called yeah. my mom and, you know, like my sister, uh, my mom, and my sister were in town because my sister had like shattered her ankle and she was Ouch. just getting out of the hospital and she had to do like these regular checkups. And so they were in Atlanta for a checkup mm-hmm. on the day I went into labor and so I called my mom and she's like oh my god this is this is such good timing <laughs> so, <laughs> how convenient y'all both in the hospital at the same time <laughs> yeah so they came over after her appointment and they were just ready to just ride it out because you know my mom's like this is the first grandchild I'm not missing this mm-hmm. yeah and so, she's gonna be there. Um, and so like my family was there and you know we're just talking and you know the Tosin's coming and like okay it's getting a little bit more uncomfortable this is not, not bad but like I think I think at around like six o'clock, I maybe six o'clock or something. I and this was and it wasn't bad because I was like moving around, like I wasn't in the bed. I was like sitting on the edge of the bed, talking to everybody, like going to the bathroom, you know, mm-hmm. like having a conversation. But I promise you, by like six o'clock, I was hunched over an exercise ball in pain. Although they they had really started coming and they were really hurting. And so, you know, my mom was sitting there, his mom was there, like his mom was like rubbing my back and he was just sitting in the chair. And I mean, luckily, you know, he could kind of, he could kind of read the room and he knew not to really touch me. Like I did not want to be touched by him. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so his mom was rubbing my back and my mom was talking to me. And then finally I was just like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to feel this. I don't have to feel this at all. So um, I still really wasn't ready for the epidural because I have this thing about needles. I don't like them. And so the way I deal with it is I have to see the person putting it in me. And Mm. so epidurals, you know, they give them to you in your back and you can't see them. They don't don't even give you a mirror because they don't like you just can't see them. So I was really apprehensive about that. So um, the lady was like, well, we could give you narcotics. And so I said, okay, sure. Like, let's, let's, let's try, let's try some narcotics and see what that does. And so she's like, well, you have to get in the bed because it's basically, you're basically going to be high. So we want you to be in the bed. Um, And so we're going to put you in the bed and said, this is also good because you have these monitors on and they were yelling at me because before I got everything because I kept moving the monitors because I was walking and I was literally hunched over this exercise ball in pain. Like they kept coming in to like put the monitors like back in the right spot. Mm -hmm. So they were probably glad to get me like in the bed. So she gave me the narcotics and girl, I was, I was like, I was high as kite. I didn't feel anything. No, I never like the best drugs. They gave, I found out later, there's probably why um, they don't really advertise it. It was fentanyl. They gave you fentanyl, which is, (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> we're just a crisis in our society today. 
Probably. And I think that's also what killed. I also think that's also what killed Michael Jackson. I could be wrong, but I think that's what, I think yeah. that's what he had the overdose on. And so, but, but it, but it worked though. Like I didn't okay. feel anything. And the way they do it is um, you have basically have to, they do, they give you a dose like every hour. So, um, and they monitor you because, you know, fentanyl can do crazy things to you, which unfortunately it did crazy things to me and it did crazy things to Katie's heart. So mm. they gave me the fentanyl. I didn't feel anything. And then, um, I can't remember if I got one or two doses of it, but it was basically at some point they were like, you can't have any more of this and neither can your baby. This isn't, this isn't going to go well if we continue to give this to you. So you're either going to have to feel the contractions or, you know, you're going to have to get the epidural. And okay. so at this point, the fentanyl had worn off. I was feeling my contractions again. And I was like, yes, let me have this epidural. Because at this point it was like nine, it was like eight or nine o'clock. And I wasn't, um, like, I wasn't going to start, um, I wasn't dilated enough. And she's like, you're going to have to labor overnight. You'll probably give birth early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing this all night. I'm not going to feel this all night. So I was like, go ahead, let's get the epidural. Um, and the most insane thing about the epidural is I feel like they do it to you. They, they stick the needle in while you're having a contraction. And this is Ooh, after what? they, t- and this is after they tell you, all right, you can't move one wrong move and you could be paralyzed. And I was like, oh my God. So the nurse, so they, they sit you up on the bed. Um, they kick everybody out of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, except for your um, your husband or your birth partner or, or whoever. You get one person, basically. Mm-hmm. That person cannot touch you. They just have to be, like, across the room sending you good vibes with their eyeballs or something. <laughs> um, and then the nurse will sit you up and she'll, like, you know, she'll brace you in some way. Um, like, this, my nurse chose to, like, put her forearms on my thighs and, like, kind of, like, hold my arms a little bit. Okay. And she's like, you can't move. Um, and then the, you know, the doctor's behind you and he's like, I'm going to talk you through everything and I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. And he was like, okay, I'm going to clean you off. And even though I heard that, I didn't really hear it. And so I jumped 10 feet in the air. It felt like when he tried to swab my back and I was like, she was like, Hey, you can't do that. That needle right there. You cannot jump. You have to be still. Oh God. And so and he was like, okay. And so at that moment, I'm still feeling the contractions and like hunching over in pain. And he was like, okay. So he's like, all right. So this is the second to last contraction that you're going to feel. And he's like, all right. So I, he's like, all right. They're like looking at the monitor and I'm having another one. And he put, and he like, I guess, you know, puts the needle in or does whatever he needs to, to get the line in while I'm having the contraction. Luckily for some reason, somehow I don't move, I guess. Cause like literally, I guess, you know, survival, right? Um, <laughs> and then, and that was literally the last contraction that I felt that day. Um, my epidural worked amazingly. I did not feel anything. Um, and, you know, once you have the epidural, it pretty much numbs you. Yeah. Like, all the way down your toes. And, you know, I was even, I, I, I don't know, because I guess it's because I'm part nerd, but I was like poking my leg and I was like, I don't feel anything. <laughs> like I feel nothing and so they they gave me like a catheter um and then 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 they did more uh dilation checks which didn't feel a thing nice and I went to sleep that must be such a nice like relaxation moment after all of that I did it was it was it was like yes I literally struggled from maybe like a couple of hours you know wasn't bad um and then I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning. I woke up at, I woke up at like 6.30 the next morning because I was feeling contractions again. And I was like, nurse, um, I'm feeling my contractions again. She said, yeah, I know. We turned your epidural down a little bit because, um, you know, you're, it's like, we need to turn it down so that you can get ready to, to push when the time comes. And I said, nurse, it's time for me to push. And she mm-hmm. said, and she literally looked at me and she was like, you're so cute. Like, she looked at me like, you're so cute. It's it's not time yet. Um, and she's like, are you, it's like, are you sure? I said, yes, I, I've never been here before, but I really feel like I need to start pushing right now. Like my body, I can't really explain it, but like, I feel the urge to push. Yeah. Please go and get my midwife right now. Yeah, I, I chose to have a midwife, which I don't think I, I touched on, but I, I did not want a doctor. I wanted a midwife. And so mm-hmm. she was like, okay, I'll go and get her. And then she left. And then she didn't, I didn't hear from her. And like my midwife didn't come. And so I'm pushing the button. I'm like, hey, 
<laughs> I'm Somebody ready to start pushing. Go get the people. Go get the stuff. Like I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to do this. Mm-hmm. And and they're just looking at me like, oh, you just, you know, I just feel like they kind of just weren't really taking me seriously. And so finally my midwife just comes in to do a random check. And her name was Kylie Ann. And I was like, Kylie Ann, I want to start pushing right now. My body is telling me to push. I'm going to like I need to start pushing right now. And so they're just like, oh, okay, well, let's let me she'll she's like, let me check you. And sure enough, she was like, oh, I feel the baby. And so she's like telling everybody to get ready. And um, the only people that are in the room are uh, is Katie's dad. And the people who are supposed to be in the room was like his mom and my mom. They were out in the waiting room. And so she tells him, run, go get your mom and your mother-in-law. The baby's coming right now. They need to run in here. Yeah. Um, like everything literally just like amped up because I wasn't wrong. Like the reason why I felt yeah. the need to push was because her head was like right Crowned there. In. It was crossing. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, all right, well, while you're doing that, we're going to do a practice push. When I What's tell a you, practice push? They did a practice push. So basically um, you, you have to push on the contraction, which is why they turn your epidural down because they only want you to push. Um, they, wanna, they want you to time your pushes with your contraction. So they turn my epidural down so I could feel the contractions. Yeah. Um, and so I did a practice push got her halfway out <laughs> halfway out and at this point his mom him like him his mom and my mom were running into the room and like they almost missed her being born because she got part way out on the practice push yeah and so I think I pushed two more times and got her all the way out and that's pretty much how she was she was born um at I woke up at six thirty. She was born at six fifty four. Wow, she came out quick. She was fast. Like when it was time to go, it, it was time to go. And I really feel like I owe all of that to my midwife because my midwife. We got we got to we got to talk talk about her for a second. She was absolutely yeah. Perfect. And the reason you chose a midwife over an OB and the within a hospital, right? Yes. So I chose a practice that had doctors and midwives and I told them that I wanted a midwife because I just really feel like um, maternal care is not great. And then maternal care for black women is like even worse. So I wanted a midwife because I just felt like they cared a little bit more. Um, I don't know why I felt that way, but I did. And I, and I think they do for the most part um my granted my experience with doctors and midwives is not you know I don't know like every single midwife or every single doctor out there but I feel Mm -hmm. like it's just more personal Mm -hmm. um and I had all of my appointments with midwives and I could just tell you know like they just really enjoyed babies and they enjoyed the birthing process you know it was almost like having it was almost like having a doula and a doctor all in one Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so my midwife her name was Kylie Ann she was Jamaican I told her she when I came in when she came in she was like how do you see this you know this birth this labor going I told her what I wanted I said I do not want a c-section I only way I want one is if like we're about to die like I want to I want you to do everything in your power possible to um, have me labor down I you know just you know let the baby I want the baby to I want her to work her way out you know and then um, like, I don't want to be under any stress. I don't want to have a C-section and I'm on the fence about an epidural. And she was like, okay. Yeah. So while I was, um, while I had my epidural, she had me, she was like repositioning my body in ways to like better help me with the labor. And so at one point I ended up like on my stomach in like this Superman position she was like just trust me and she was literally moving my body around all night she was like okay I'm sorry to wake you up but like we're gonna put you like this and I did it and I went back to sleep and you know she's just moving me around and I think that was the that was why I was able to like wake up and get her out in like two and a half pushes yeah you know she was able to Katie was able to like kind of just I was able to labor down labor her down get her right to the point to where she couldn't go any further by herself and I just had to just you know push her right on out and I swear by having a midwife and 
Yeah, no, it mm-hmm. seems like that major, like, possibly, like, potential traditional birth turned into being one that's kind of like a hybrid. Because, like, like you said, you were walking around and moving, and the yeah. doctors weren't liking that because they wanted to continue to monitor you. And, like, for me, I did a natural smile. It was all intermittent monitoring. So, like, mm-hmm. nothing was hooked up to me. So, of course, I could just move freely. Mm-hmm. But, like, it feels like you had this hybrid experience. Like, these nurses are like, okay, get up in the bed, and you sitting there with the epidural. But then your midwife knows, like, oh, I need her to be in this position or that position because it's more optimal for the baby. So, even though you can't feel it, like she's kind of doing that portion for you that you should be able to feel. Yeah. So she was such a great supporter. I like love hearing that. A hundred percent. And I think, and I think, and um, I think one of the things with Pitocin and why Pitocin gets such a bad rap is a lot of moms who have to go on Pitocin usually end up having a C-section. And I'm not sure why that is. And I don't have the stats on it or anything, but it's something that I had heard in my mom groups when they were kind of bashing, you know, going on Pitocin and saying, oh, I don't want to be induced. Most, there's like some stat where it's like a most inductions lead to C-sections. It's better to go into labor naturally, even Mm -hmm. though natural labor can also result in a c-section because i mean basically if your labor stalls it stalls and then you know you end up having to have a c-section and that could be the case whether you go into it naturally or you um are induced but i I, but maybe there's um some numbers out there that that say that inductions have a higher likelihood of stalling Mm -hmm. and then you know you ending up having a c-section yeah, I definitely have to look it up. But that was like even a reason why I just wanted to talk to more women about their stories. Cause like every person I talked to that got induced and maybe had a second experience where maybe they didn't get induced, there was just a significant difference between how long it took them to labor. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like interesting. It's like when your body's ready, your body is ready. But when your body's not ready, it's like you're mm-hmm. getting induced because of like, you know, mm-hmm. the time period, but not because your body is ready. So yeah. I feel like that's a very like important factor. And that might be why they end up going into a C-section because the, you know, you're inducing a pregnancy when it's, you're inducing labor when, you know, you're not ready to. So your body doesn't do, you know, the stuff that it's supposed supposed to to do. do. And then you end up having to have a C-section to, you know, get the baby out because at this point you've been on the medicine for far too long and it's, it's time to, you know, just get the baby out, you know, safely and you know yeah without having any uh, I guess further risk because of all of the the medications that you may be on yeah yeah I consider myself very lucky to have had an induced labor and to still you know have delivered you know vaginally and not had it go you know into a c-section yeah and I have it go sideways I feel like once you induce it you start having to use the interventions to basically replicate what your body would do on its own Mm -hmm. if your body was ready Yes. And it's like, it's good we have those synthetic things, but honestly, I just feel like they do end up typically leading to like just a bit harder of a labor. Yes. And I think my labor, I think, oh, now, I mean, I can definitely say that the contractions on Pitocin were so painful, but I don't know what contractions without it yeah. feel like either. Yeah. I don't have that. I don't have that example, but I know that those contractions had me on the floor um, when they started, (laughs) when they started coming fast. Um, And it's like, maybe you just want to, you know, go for the medic, you know, the, the pain medication, but that Mm. was, that, that was, that was pretty much it. Like it came, you know, Katie came out healthy. Um, She came out, you know, beautiful she was she was gorgeous now granted I'm her mother so of course I'm (laughs) gonna say you know my baby is beautiful but yep she she came out she was she was like so pale though I was like she was pale (laughs) so pale she's so pale I still have like I took you know newborn pictures of her oh she was like clear but um (laughs) I came out that way too so I wasn't I wasn't like concerned that her melanin wouldn't you know come in but yeah her melanin was just you know it's a little late you know yeah that's how it It took her like maybe two months to get some good deep dark skin yeah (laughs) let's get some color to her um but yeah she came out she was like this clear yellow little baby but um she was she was feisty that's what she was. She was feisty. She came out with her hands up and everything, like on a fire, <laughs> like ready to go. Oh, did she latch on right after she came out? She did. 
she that child was a that baby was a hungry baby and she is hungry to this day like she will <laughs> eat you out of food house and home um but yep she latched on right away like she was like all right where where is it where is it and even when she was like a few hours old you know we were kind of just going through the golden hour like she was mm. taking in you know like everything that was in the room she was like looking around she was looking at you know like if like the tv was on and like it made a sound and like she turned her head you know wow. to TV, and I was like well she can hear she can I was like she's gonna pass the hearing test <laughs> at least you know so I was like you know counting her fingers and toes and um the only thing that I will say was that she was a little she was very small when uh-huh. she was born she was smaller than we all thought because they thought I was gonna have like this big baby and she came out and she was not big at all she was actually a little undersized actually what was her weight so gosh what was her she weighed like seven pounds i think oh okay she weighed like seven pounds if you think that was small mina was five pounds seven ounces (laughs) she didn't weigh that much but she was really long Mm -hmm. um and then but once she started you know once she like latched on and really started eating oh that weight the the weight came and she's yeah well she's a healthy little girl right now so she's yeah, that weight, that weight came. So wow, oh my gosh, that was such an intense story. I feel like I learned so much because I didn't even know all that. Because I know I found out you were pregnant pretty late too, but I, I was- didn't like start to inquire too much about it. And then when we were talking every day about it. It was like we just had too much on our plates one day <laughs> at a time to even like rewind and be like, what happened here? What happened there? <laughs> oh, we definitely did. And I and, and honestly, the, the late pregnancy or everyone finding out that was definitely intentional. I was like, I'm not telling anybody until I feel like I've hit the point of no return, even though mm-hmm. there's no such thing as a point of no return with babies, because, you know, people can, you know, you can have a miscarriage at any point in your, in your pregnancy. But I just felt like I was like, well, if I can at least get past where I stopped the last time I was feel mm-hmm. about sharing and that's kind of what I did and started, you know, telling a few more people. Mm-hmm. And of course I told my, my closest friends, um, you know, they knew, um, I think I told them right after my first trimester ended, I told the rest of them anyways. Um, and then it was kind of just like, if you see me, you see me, <laughs> you see you know? me, you find out. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you see me, you see me. So that's so cool. Well, I feel like we could wrap it up for today, but I feel like we need to have a part two because since Katie's like five, we can definitely go into like those infanthood, toddlerhood okay. kind of questions yeah. and like yeah. just kind of motherhood as it actually like in action. Because now I feel like this kind of preconception up to having the baby is like kind of just survival mode a little bit. And if it's like not too difficult for you, it's like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. But as long as I take care of myself, the baby's automatically taken care of. But once it's out, you like, you know, a whole different story. So that's yeah. the part two I'd love to do with you. But like, when I wrap it up, I have some rapid fire questions that I didn't send to you ahead of time. So it's just, you know, short answers off the dome. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, fill in the blank for me. Motherhood is special. Love that. Okay, here's a situation. You're being called in five different directions. The baby needs you. Uh, your partner needs you, work has a deadline, the list goes on. What's the first thing you do in that moment? I'm going to the, I'm going to my baby. Oh, I like that. Katie first. Katie Katie first. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if you had a birth playlist, but if you did, what are the top five songs on your birth playlist? I did not have a birth playlist because I (laughs) slept for most of my labor. (laughs) Okay, okay. So what songs would you have wanted if you maybe were awake? Honestly, I would probably have some form of like maybe trap music, maybe even a little bit of Kevin Gates because that's kind of where, <laughs> that's where my mind was probably at, you know, back then. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, until this day, it, it still is because like Kevin Gates is, you know, it's perfect for every occasion. Yeah, he has some jam- He has some jams. He's a little wild, but he has some jams. Yes. <laughs> so what tv show are you binging right now right now i am i actually not binging anything at the moment because i've kind of caught up on everything but i guess you could technically say i'm binging um chicago pd because i'm like behind mm-hmm. half the season so i'm trying to catch up because i love that show 
You know what? I've actually never watched that. I might need to put it on my list. You need to, and you need to pay attention to this actor. Uh, he plays uh, Officer Atwater. Um, his real name is Leroy Hawkins. That mm-hmm. is a beautiful man right there. <laughs> Good yeah, I think he's a new celebrity crush. All my celebrities yeah. are starting to show me who they are in real life, and I don't like them. <laughs> oh, I think well so far what I've seen it seems good gives back to the community and you know he seems like very like he's very upstanding so hopefully okay. that continues I like that I like that now what is your favorite meal favorite meal probably anything pasta mm, Italian. Anything, anything pasta is my favorite okay what is your favorite product for your baby Hmm. That's a hard one. I know. Yeah, you're like five years in now, so it might have changed over time. It, like- it, it has definitely changed. I think my favorite product is probably our noise machine. Um, I literally use, I said everything, like our whole routine revolves around that noise machine. I have it perfect. <laughs> to change sounds and colors based on what we need to be doing. And she listens to that so much better than me saying, all right, it's time to brush your teeth right now. But like, if the hatch changes the color, she was like, oh, I need to go brush my teeth right now. Yes. You know what? My friend Janae told me to buy the hatch and send me a 15% discount code and I haven't bought it. And you have it. And it just validates that I should have just listened to her immediately. Does it, does it connect to Google or Alexa? Um, I don't, the one that I have, doesn't I don't know if the newer version does um when you go on the website you can they put everything about it um on the page you can definitely check I have like the old school version um I think I have like the 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 first iteration of it and so the first iteration is is, it's bluetooth and it's not even wi-fi so but it does have the app and you can I can control it with my phone but I have to be you know in the house to do it but the new ones I know that those are at least wi-fi enabled and so they may have compatibility with Alexa or Google but I'm not sure I like them to look it up so what are you most grateful for these days these days I'm grateful for my my village um I, I'm officially, uh, well, I've been a single mom, but I'm officially, officially a solo single mom. Um, unfortunately, Katie's father did pass away earlier um, this year. And so going from a shared custody to a sole custody arrangement has been a huge um, adjustment for both of us, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I have my friends have really all kind of shown up for me in different ways with offering just support and even just coming over and, you know, taking care of Katie for a little bit as well as my sister. And so that, that's the biggest thing is just my, my village has really shown up. Even people that I didn't know were in my village, were in my village and they have, they have shown up um, for us during this time. So. I like that. That's so important. I'm glad you have such a village and I'm a part of it too. Yes. I love being a part of your village. <laughs> so that might be a good place for us to wrap it up. We'll have to start there too, though, for your part too, because I feel like there's a lot of things that go into becoming a mom and then doing a shared custody. And then of course, shifting to only you and like, what mm-hmm. does that look like and how you actually bring other people into your motherhood journey and they like kind of mother with you. Yes. But Don, I love you so much. And thanks love for sharing too. your story, oh. your intimate, all the intimate pieces and the hard pieces. I feel like it'll help a lot of people who are either thinking about becoming pregnant, pregnant right now, or even just experiencing the same thing. But like in that kept 22 of like, I don't want to tell anyone because I don't want to rebroadcast pain if it doesn't work out a certain way. So I hope that they're all touched by your story. I hope so too. And I've had fun. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Oh. And now back to the mom chat. I'll be texting you right after this. <laughs> yes. The first, first order of topic. The first topic is the hatch. The hatch. Yes. Because you know what? I bought two more Google, what, Google minis for my house during Black Friday. Because I was like, Amina loves saying, hey, Google, to the one that we have. So I was like, well, I hope she could have like a nightlight where she's like, hey, Google, turn on the light. Because at night, she will need to go to pee sometimes or this mm-hmm. and that. I don't want her to come up and come to my room and be like, mommy, can you take me to the bathroom? And I'm like, girl. There's one connected to your room. Like, that's the reason. I have a two-bed, two-bath right now. (laughs) But, yeah. Well, thank you all also for listening. So I forget sometimes. It feels like 
we're just on a regular phone call and we're just catching up. But it's like, oh, this is a podcast. So yeah. for the listeners, thank you if you got this far. If you didn't, hopefully you come back and finish it off. But Don talked about so much stuff that I feel like we'll touch everybody. Hope y'all come back and listen to our next episode, her part two. Yes. Let me know. Just let me know. All right. Love you, girl. You have a good day. You have a good day, too. <laughs> Bye. Bye.